Welcome to Conservation Unfiltered, a podcast all about the North American model of conservation and your chance to dive into conversations about trends, research, and outdoor activities. It's time to get wild with the 2021 Conservation Media Award-winning host, Jason Creighton. You know, I would envision, um, and these are things that we have outlines in our, we have a greenways plan. So Hayeswood sort of fits into this weird scenario where it's kind of like a greenway, but it's not yet a park, but it's going to be a park. Um, but, you know, low, those low impact activities, um, like hiking and snowshoeing or mountain biking, there might be some mountain bike trails or something, something like that, um, I think are uh probably most likely what that what that site would entail hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the conservation unfiltered podcast presented by conserve the wild i'm your host jason creighton and this is episode number 113 welcoming pittsburgh's newest park hayes woods in this week's episode I'm going to be talking with Rebecca Kiernan. Rebecca has been the principal resilience planner for the city of Pittsburgh for six and a half years and has helped facilitate many conservation projects. During the conversation, she's going to fill us in on Pittsburgh's newest park, and that is Hayes Woods. Now, this park is a little bit different than most city parks that you would think of. There's going to be no soccer fields, no baseball fields, very few structures. So this one has a little bit of a conservation designation. She's also going to detail the history of this 660-acre area, why it's important to have this conservation designation, and what kind of activities are sort of leaning towards before the public comment period. Uh, we're also going to talk about how deer and invasive worms are increasing landslide problems in the, in the city, and we're even touch on a little bit of the greenway areas around the city that a lot of people don't really know about. And lastly, listen in for a new project that's recently been funded for this year. And on the line today, as you heard in the intro, Rebecca Kiernan. Rebecca, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So I was extremely happy to see on the news. I didn't even know this was even in the works or even being talked about. Um, and partly because, you know, I don't live directly in the city of Pittsburgh, but I live in pretty close proximity, uh, that Hayes Woods was purchased by the, by the city and uh, has been designated a city park. Um, can you just tell, us, tell everyone and the listeners, like, what is Hayes Woods? What, why is that something... Um, that the city felt was important to, to, you know, come in process of. Sure. So Hayes Woods is a 626-acre site um, in the city of Pittsburgh. Uh, it's along a, a steep hillside, um, you know, right across uh, the Monongahela River. Um, it was originally, I believe, undermined. Uh, so it has a history of coal extraction. Um, you know, there are some, there's some environmental issues there, but other than that, it had largely remained untouched for a number of years. 
Um, so it's, it's, you know, a super forested, um, site with a lot of wildlife, um, and bald eagles actually. So, a, a bald eagles nest had been found there, which started to, um, you know, help wrangle the calls for it to be conserved. Um, a few years ago, probably 10, 10 or so years ago, it was slated, um, or proposed to be a casino and a racetrack site. Um, so the casino actually ended up being uh, put onto the uh, north shore of the Allegheny River on the north side. Um, so that ultimately didn't come to fruition. Um, but there had also been a, a, a plans for a race, a horse race track there, uh, I believe. Um, and then after that, the owner had looked into turning it into a um, fracking site. Um, so that was that all occurred before um, the city actually ended up uh, putting a moratorium on fracking within city limits. Um, so that kind of rendered uh, that use case for the site to, you know, not be possible. Um, so the city uh, in 2016, our urban redevelopment authority purchased the site um, from its former owner uh, for $5 million. Uh, we received the UR, the Urban Redevelopment Authority, which is an authority of the city. Um, they received a $800,000 grant from DCNR to help with those costs. Um, and then in 2020, tw oops, sorry, 2021, a few weeks ago, um, that entire property was uh, transferred over to the city of Pittsburgh to become the city's newest park. So it's 626 acres, which is the going to be the largest park that's been created uh, I think east of the Mississippi in the past hundred years is the the talking point there. Um, but yeah, it's it's super exciting. Um, I mean, there I mentioned that you know bald eagles were found there, um, so there was a really big push. There's a bald eagle cam. People got really excited about um, you know seeing the birds. Uh, if you ever travel the Eliza Furnace Trail, kind of uh, the Gap Trail, the Great Allegheny Passage Trail goes past there. Um, and you always, you know, see like bird watchers um, looking for the bald eagles. So um, I think that that was, you know, a really big, uh, you know, part, just the conservation of wildlife there in general um, was a really big part of, of wanting to save that park. There was a lot of, save it for a park. There was a lot of public support for it. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that those bald eagles were the first nesting pair in Allegheny County uh, in you know over a hundred years. Yeah, I which believe is, so. Which is why everyone was so excited yeah. about seeing them there, and, and which which absolutely makes sense. Now, everyone's going to hear sort of state park, or I'm sorry, city park, right? And they're going to think, well, city park, um, you know, soccer fields, playgrounds, uh, maybe you know a spray park or something like that. Um, but that's not what the plan is for this area, correct? Yeah, the plan, uh, so I guess the initial plan was that there was going to be a portion of the property that was reserved for development. Um, there was also a lot of public opposition to that. Uh, so the, UR, the Urban Redevelopment Authority was going to retain a portion of that site um, and do some low density development there to help offset you know, the $5 million price tag. Um, so that's no longer uh, occurring. It's all been transferred over to the city. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of opportunities for you know low impact recreation there. Um, so there's currently some hiking trails. Uh, I've been up there. It's a really cool site to go uh, poke around at. Um, but yeah, I think you know hiking and um, we've had some snowshoeing events in our other greenways. Um, throughout the city. So there's, I mean, Hayes Woods is a 620, it's a huge site. 
Um, but the city also has a lot of other abandoned, uh, pretty large sites throughout the city um, where we're also looking to do some low density um, recreation. So yeah, I mean, you know, snowshoeing, hiking, um, uh, maybe camping in the future would be pretty neat. Um, but there, the park will end up going through, we have a park planning process. So there will be a public process to, um, you know, look into how, how, uh, you know, we, we transition the park for a more public use, um, you know, without putting in ball fields or soccer fields or, um, you know, drive driving lanes or whatever, um, might be associated with some of our other city parks, but yeah, it would be a, a low density use. So, but the, the conservation sort of aspect part, that's an important part, right, for this. And as you mentioned, is, is you know, the bald eagles probably had a, a big impact on that. Like, why, I guess, two questions. Why is it important to have the conservation part of it and have it be low impact activities? And then why does there seem to be public support for that type of park as opposed to the traditional city park that we're used to? Yeah, I think um, there's been more and more, you know, studies and reckoning and realization that, you know, pe people in urban areas really need that connection to nature and that green space. Um, and, you know, I think more so uh, just within, you know, the past two years of the pandemic, um, you know, when you live in a in small areas or tight quarters, um, there just is that internal need to go outside and be in nature. Um, so, I, you know, I think because um, Hayes Woods is a, is a really unique site where, you know, nothing has really been developed at all around there for at least, you know, 40 or 50 years. So there's some really nice big uh, trees and some old growth and uh, a lot of wildlife there. And I think that that, you know, recognition of uh, this is a really awesome like wild space in the middle of a city um you know it's really apparent when you're just there and hiking around and there's beautiful vistas and um it's hard to it's hard to imagine or to, to i think want to cut some of those spaces down and put in a ball field or whatever when we do have um you know ball fields all over the city um that are serving neighborhoods so i mean yeah i, th I think you know different different spaces uh, speak to different uses right so um, you know, some vacant lots, you know, over across, uh, across the neighborhood um, might be better suited for like a ball, ball field, whereas, you know, some of these areas that already have that existing canopy cover and um, wildlife should really maintain those, those natural spaces. So since it's been undeveloped for, you know, years and years and years, uh, and you mentioned there's a lot of old growth there, canopy cover, and then you also mentioned wildlife. Um, one of my questions is how much conservation is going to be done on the landscape as opposed to just preserving the area sort of as it is because old growth and canopy cover are good for some wildlife but they're not it's not good for all wildlife right so in a 600 plus acre property you can have areas with old growth that's good for that you know owls and some birds and squirrels but then you could also have some areas of that property that could maybe have some trees cut down uh, that would benefit, you know, having that sort of early successional growth of younger forests be good for rabbits and, and deer and turkey and things like that. So are there, I know you said it still has to go through sort of a planning process, but are there plans to do 
real conservation work on the property or is it more of a, hey, we're going to just sort of let things go and let it be the way it is? That's a really good question. So we're kind of wrestling with this in some of our other, I mentioned greenways, it's sort of a similar situation where there are large vacant properties throughout the city. Um, you know, so our greenways network is about 600 acres. Um, and then Hayes Woods is 626 acres. Um, so, you know, we have uh, a lot of these types of vacant properties across the city. Um, we're doing some work right now to start to assess, uh, you know, the, the health of some of these spaces. Um, so, you know, a lot of them uh, haven't seen, uh, you know, any sort of maintenance over at least 40 years. Uh, the Greenways Network was developed in 1980 to handle large uh, vacant properties that were uh, adjacent to each other um, to consolidate them into permanent conservation easements, but then there was never ever, ever any funding or, you know, staff support or capacity to be able to handle them. Um, so now we're, you know, I've been, uh, you know, working with some colleagues to look into, um, you know, what types of, of maintenance needs to be done. Uh, we have a lot of really significant issues with um, uh, invasive vines uh, and knotweed. Uh, so the invasive vines are actually coming in and, uh, you know, growing over the knotweed and then swallowing uh, some of the tree canopy. Um, so I know that there is, there are some areas of Hayes Woods that do have some of those problems. So I think, um, you know, when we get a little bit deeper into to some of this work and hopefully there's some funding that might come out of like the infrastructure funding that's, that would come from the federal level for this. Um, but when we do start to get a little bit deeper into it, I think, um, you know, getting more targeted into like, where are those locations that do need uh, that type of restoration work of taking out the vines and the knotweed and the um, honeysuckle and some of the other invasive species, um, you know, what, what do we put back there and, um, you know, how do we fund it and uh, what is the amount of work that needs to be done? The reason why I ask that question is because, um, you know, and this was born out of, I want to say it was, was the eighties um, when there was really heavy logging done um, that was not good for, you know, some populations of owls and, and some different birds that like mature forests. Um, and we essentially weren't logging sustainably, right? It was clear cuts over mass, you know, landscapes and, and just really bad stuff. Um, so a lot of people, think conservation, but what they actually want is preservation because if you think about it, if you if you cut down a bunch of old growth trees, even you know as small as an acre, what grows back doesn't look appealing to the human eye. Uh, it's really thick. It's you know these real small trees. The appealing part of forests for people is whenever you can see 200 yards through a sea of you know big large trees and you can see everything out there. But that's really not good for the majority of wildlife that we have here in Pennsylvania. Uh, so it's just one of those things that, that I always question when people talk about conservation, there just needs to be that, that area of, of, you know, getting invasive species out, uh, doing things to benefit actual uh, wildlife on the landscape, even though it may not be completely pleasing to our eye in the short term. Uh, we need to look sort of long-term when it comes to trying to, make the landscape better for the wildlife that's there. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And one of the biggest challenges that we deal with is, is the deer browse. Um, so, you know, when we, when we have, so we, we just finished up a, um, a, a 
pilot restoration project project in uh, Hayes, uh, sorry, not Hayeswoods, it's Hazelwood Greenway, um, which you can actually say Hayeswoods from. So this is a 183 acre uh, Greenway site, uh, also you know, formally abandoned. Um, one of these Greenways where a bunch of properties were cobbled together when we lost um, significant population in the in the 70s and 80s. Um, but yeah, you're exactly right because we, you know, we we brought in goats, we brought in uh, Landforce, which is a land care organization that focuses on workforce development. Um, but uh, you know, then you're left with this large empty space um, once you clear totally clear all of it. Um, and like, what do you what do you do with it? Because what's going to happen is, uh, you know, if you just leave it up to its own devices, you're going to have all of that. Uh, invasive, you know, knotweed and all of the seeds that are still there just going to proliferate next year. Um, so we actually had to bring the goats back again because like the, the knotweed came up. So you do have to fill it with something. And one of the challenges that we have when we do fill it is, you know, then the deer show up and they eat it because it tastes good. So um, yeah, one of, one of our biggest challenges is trying to figure out, you know, um, so we planted like 170 trees a couple of weeks ago and they're all wrapped, you know, in the um, the plastic cones and it just, it, it significantly increases costs of restoration, um, you know, per tree per acre, um, because we do have to, um, prepare for the deer browse, um, which is, which is problematic, but yeah, you're, you know, you're totally right. As, as soon as you do clear a space, it's, uh, you know, you have to figure out what, what to put there next, um, and how to protect it to make sure that it, it, it thrives. It, it, it's great to, to hear. And I always love seeing the, the news stories. You know, they show the goats and they're out on hillsides clearing uh, invasive species. I, I love that because it's a, a natural way to try to, you know, knock back those invasives. Um, obviously, you could use herbicides and, and, you know, different things like that. But that's not always the best option, uh, especially, you know, if there's streams or the river right there. Right. You don't want runoff, that kind of thing. Um, and I'm sure uh, prescribed fire is not something that is easily accessible or, or easily acceptable in the city of Pittsburgh, right? Like, because I have not been able to make that case yet. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's something that prescribed fire is something I'm learning a lot about. It's something that we obviously don't do a whole lot in, of in the North, um, but they do a lot in the South and <laughs> it has a lot of great benefits, but with wildfires, right? We associate any fire on the landscape as bad. Um, and I'm sure in the city of Pittsburgh, it's going to look, you know, be perceived even worse. So, um, I, you know, trying to figure out what you, what you can do to put something back on a landscape to not allow those invasives to grow. And then with, you know, a whole lot of deer that, that does make it really tough. So like you said, you know, giving, making just everything way more expensive then because you have to protect all those. Uh, I fully understand that it, you mentioned already a couple things that you expect to be able to be done in the park, uh, hiking, snowshoeing, things like that. What are some of the activities being discussed to being possibly being allowed to be done in this park if there's you know, not kids running around the playground and, and running around a soccer field, things like that? So, um, and I know we haven't gone through like a, a public planning process or anything like that yet. So I don't really want to like speak to it too soon. Um, but I, you know, I would envision, um, and these are things that we have outlines in our, we have a greenways plan. So Hayeswood sort of fits into this weird scenario where it's kind of like a greenway, but it's not yet a park, but it's going to be a park. 
Um, but you know, low, those low impact activities, um, like hiking and snowshoeing or mountain biking, there might be some mountain bike trails or something, something like that. Um, I think are, uh, probably most likely what that, what that site would entail. Um, Emerald View Park, if you're familiar with that, is uh, over Mount Washington. It has really good views of, um, you know, the point and, uh, and the rivers uh, and downtown. Um, that was a, formerly a greenway um, that then turned into a park. So that's sort of like a com comparable type of precedent for um, what Hayeswood's probably will end up looking like um, is, you know, finding those spots that have really good views or um, you know, flaunting or flaunting the assets of the site uh, for, you know, hiking trails and, and things like that, that people can enjoy in a low, in a low impact way. Yeah. And I'm sure the bird watching will continue, right? Uh, with those bald yeah. eagles oh, yeah, there, for sure. Uh, for sure. Yeah. I, I can't help but notice one uh, activity uh, that you didn't mention that is interesting because you mentioned how many deer uh, you know, are around uh, hunting, not being part of that. Is that something that could possibly be in the future? Are there hoops that need to be jumped through there to, right? Because in my, in my way of thinking, if you have too many deer and you have the area to hunt, uh, you have hunters come in, hopefully they can reduce the deer population. And then that will reduce your cost in trying to do the conservation work that you're trying to do on the site. Um, where does an activity like hunting that I know can be controversial, especially in urban settings, where does that kind of activity stand at a, at a place, at a site like Hayes Woods? We've really struggled with this topic. Um, there's, there's for sure a need for it, right? Um, one of our, uh, so the city of Pittsburgh just in general has a really serious like over deer overpopulation issue. Um, in one of our other parks in Riverview Park, um, there was a study that was done in 2010, I believe, by the Game Commission that looked at our, uh, our regional parks, so those four or five parks in the city, not including Hayeswood, so I don't really have a good count for Hayeswood, so I'll, I'll stick with Riverview Park. Um, but they found 99 deer per square mile in 2010, and we still haven't had any sort of deer management since then. Some of the issues that um, Riverview Park is currently experiencing is um, some pretty significant landslides. Uh, we have uh, some really serious landslide issues there that are, you know, really high in cost that um, are very difficult to address that we're pursuing a lot of grant funding for. But um, one of the theories of what's going on there is that, um, you know, deer obviously overpopulation uh, suppresses the undergrowth from, from growing and creating strong roots and whatever, we all know that. But um, you know, because we're situated on, on steep hillsides uh, and our, you know, soil uh, health and soil quality is really important to make sure that those, those areas aren't sliding. Apparently what's going on is that there are uh, invasive worms. Uh, I think they're called crazy worms that are, uh, that are attracted to the deer feces and feeding on it. And so if you go to some of these parks, um, you know, my backyard has it also, there's a ton of worms. And then all of a sudden it's like a bowl of sprinkles. If you've ever seen worm castings like that you would put in your garden. So one of the theories is that because we have this deer overpopulation issue that we're not addressing, um, we now also has, have some really serious worm infestation slash soil, uh, soil quality issues that are contributing to these landslide problems. Anyway, this is like a long-winded story just because I love that story, but 
Um, I think, you know, it's been a really, there are a thousand different cases that we could make for the need for, for deer hunting in the city. Um, and I think there are, you know, that it, it does actually occur and people are hunting in uh, the greenways and in parks. Um, and I think, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people that really see the value in that. Politically, it's a really difficult case to make. Um, you know, there's been a couple of uh, issues locally where, um, you know, deer uh, population control has not gone well. Um, you know, in the public in the public eye, there's been a lot of uh, you know pushback uh, from animal rights uh, animal rights groups. Um, you know, there's obviously safety concerns uh, when you have the you know a, a large population utilizing some of these green spaces, and then also want to put hunting in there also. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's it's a it's a touchy issue. We've you know tried to make the case. I think I think there it needs some political muscle and some political willpower in action in order to actually move forward. Um, but currently, yeah, all of all of city properties are technically um, it's illegal to hunt there, um, although it does occur and it's not really regulated in the way that um, it could be to show that it actually is legal. So there's been kind of this like fuzzy line of, you know, some people think that it's open to hunting and regulated by the game commission, whereas there's actually, um, you know, by city ordinance, it's actually been illegal this whole time. The worm story, that that is something <laughs> I had not heard before. I, I mean, it would, it, in that quick little story, like it makes sense to me. Um, I'm thinking from landslide wise, you know, just when you don't have that understory, as you mentioned, because the deer don't allow it to grow, you don't have that root structure and the root structure is what keeps landslides from happening, right? Because it holds the soil yep. together. Um, but then really worms, um, that that's interesting. I, I, I'm, you're, you're going to send me down a rabbit hole uh, <laughs> looking for information about crazy it's a worms. deep rabbit hole. I've hit it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be right there with you. Uh, all right. So you, you've been mentioning Greenways, um, this sort of other projects uh, that are done. So what are some of these other projects? What is Greenways? Like you've explained a little bit, but what are these projects that the city's working on to create these green spaces for the city that aren't the traditional state park, or I'm sorry, I keep saying state, the traditional city parks that most people would commonly think of? Yeah, so green, the Greenways Network has a really interesting history. Um, so in 1980, as a way to, so Pittsburgh's, Pittsburgh's past uh, is that of, you know, decline in population loss uh, with the collapse of the steel industry in the 70s and 80s. Um, so as a reverb effect uh, from, from the population loss, you know, we also lost uh, the tax base, um, you know, funding that comes from tax taxes and from population, uh, which then, you know, had this reverb effect of uh, having of the city staff um, with the same amount of like infrastructure to maintain. In fact, uh, because of the population decline, we actually, and the city ended up uh, owning more property um, as a result of that, of that population loss and, and all of those vacant properties. Um, so in 1980, um, as a, a means to try to deal with uh, you know, all of the vacant properties that the city suddenly came into possession of. Um, the city planning department developed what was known as Greenways for Pittsburgh, um, which took any, you know, contiguous uh, or adjacent properties uh, that were all next to each other, especially those that were along steep hillsides, um, and consolidated them into a permanent conservation easement. 
um, but left that stewardship up, the stewardship of the properties up to resident stewardship groups. So like, you know, your neighbor Joe with a pair of clippers is supposed to maintain 183 acres of Greenway site, um, which, you know, over 40 years, that's, it's just not, it's not happened. There's been some really good uh, stewardship groups, which have like waxed and waned over time. But, you know, now we're 40 years later and um, our climate is changing. Uh, so we've been seeing, you know, a lot, a lot more freeze and thaws. Uh, so, you know, we're even experiencing it this, this, this week where, you know, you have a, a freeze and then, you know, suddenly it's 60 degrees and it's lightning out. Um, and then huge rain comes. So like our hillsides are kind of, you know, expanding and contracting and then all this water kind of deluges it. And then you, we have this landslide problem. Um, so, you know, as, a lot of those landslide issues are actually emanating from our own from city property that hasn't been maintained. So in 2018, we spent um, 12 million dollars just on landslide cleanup. Uh, so you know, uh, when I I'm a resilience planner, so when I started looking at you know where all of those locations are, some of them are emanating from our own property that we haven't been maintaining. Um, so as a, a way to try to start to deal with um, some of these issues and, and get ahead of them. So we're not spending so much on cleanup, but, you know, we're working on the restoration and mitigation up front. Um, we uh, sought some grant funding to run a pilot, pilot project, which I mentioned earlier, um, we did in, in the Hazelwood Greenway. So we were able to take um, two, it was only two acres out of 183 acres. So this is, you know, the scale of work that's needed is really significant. Um, but we were able to, you know, bring in some goats, um, which, you know, residents love, it gets people engaged and interested in what's going on. Uh, you know, the, the goats took out some of the invasives. Uh, we had uh, land force come in and, and clean up after them. Uh, and then Tree Pittsburgh came in and, and planted 170 trees. Um, we worked really closely with the community organization, which hosted a bunch of Get to Know Your Greenway events and trash cleanup days. And um, a lot of these sites were dump sites uh, that the city used uh, over over years that contractors are still using, uh, you know, despite best efforts to try to keep them out um, from dumping on those sites. But there's just a significant, significant amount of um, cleanup and need that's that is going on there. Uh, so, you know, uh, this was a pilot project. We were then funded um, through the National Recreation and Parks Association um, to expand that pilot project into a, a full-blown program for two years. Um, so we'll be expanding into, uh, there's 12 greenways across the, the network. Um, we started in Hazelwood, which is the largest at 183 acres, um, but we'll be able to, um, you know, start start looking in those other in those other greenways and looking for other phases of projects and um, trying to, you know, increase our restoration efforts, get a little more technical, bring somebody, uh, you know, in an entity that's able to uh, do some of the landslide, uh, you know, technical needs that that are happening there that should really be looked at by experts. Um, but yeah, the, the, the program's been going really well. We've also been looking into um, uh, uh, carbon credits as a uh, a possible supplement for funding so that we could, uh, you know, have a sustainable financing um, for the program. But um, yeah, there's just so much opportunity in in these enormous green spaces that we have throughout the city that really other cities just don't have the opportunity to, um, you know, mess around with and enhance and, and you know, turn into assets. But I mean, that's just a, a whole 
another reason why Pittsburgh is one of the best cities uh, in our country. Uh, in, in my opinion, I'll, I'll say in my opinion, so I don't get too many hate emails. Uh, <laughs> so if people want to get involved, either with Greenway projects or if they want to get involved, I guess twofold, if they want to get involved with Greenway projects, what can they do? And then second question, if they want, if they have an activity they would like to be allowed to be done in Hayeswoods, um, what should they be doing to be able to voice that to the people that are going to make the decision? There's a, um, so I mentioned that the parks planning hasn't necessarily started yet um, and there will be a public process. So we have a engage PGH page. So if you just, you know, search engage PGH, all, all one word, um, it'll bring you to city planning's uh, engagement portal. Uh, it was a shift that we made during COVID to have an online platform where people could, um, you know, put in, uh, you, participate on online instead of uh, in person, which is something that we're retaining that's been really, um, you know, valuable uh, to, to just kind of memorialize what projects are, are occurring where. Um, so there will be for sure, uh, you know, a, an engaged PGH site for Hazelwood specifically. Um, we have one for the Hazelwood Greenway site. Uh, so that's another way that, you know, to engage um, with that Greenways project. We'll be um, launching the, the rest of the, uh, the full, full blown program this year. Um, so I mentioned that, that initial pilot that we did with the Trust for Public Land um, last year, but um, the, the program is launching this year. So um, Engage PGH is just a really a good way to kind of keep on top of, of all of that, but um, all of these projects should be, should be launching this year. That's awesome. Uh, Rebecca, thank you for coming on to talk to us about Hayes Woods. I'm excited that uh, we're going to have a new city park that is sort of conservation focused. Uh, and I really think and hope, especially as you mentioned with these last two years, um, the rest of the community is going to be excited to have another green space that they can go out and enjoy uh, whenever, you know, they want to get out of their cramped little small spaces uh, that they're living in. So thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. This is fun. We'll have to get you out. I don't know if you do mobile podcasts, but maybe we can get you out there. I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> Before we keep going, a real quick question for you. Are you concerned with urban sprawl? Are you concerned with the threat of our increased human presence as put on wildlife and wild spaces? If so, an easy next step for you to try to help with this situation is to visit our Patreon page and become a monthly supporter. If you like this podcast, if you would like to help form a new nonprofit that helps combat and mitigate the effects of urbanization, visit patreon.com slash conserve the wild. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash conserve the wild. Go visit today and become a sponsor. That will do it for today's episode. Thank you to Rebecca for coming on. Thank you to all of you for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Listen, when it comes to city parks, like I sort of said in the intro and like we talked about during uh, during the conversation, uh, we think of city parks as, you know, 
parks, right? Manicured grass and soccer fields and softball fields and playgrounds. It's extremely refreshing to me that we're going to have a new park in southwestern Pennsylvania within Pittsburgh city limits that has that conservation designation. That's awesome. Uh, to be able to realize that there's more to what, what can be gained from a city park than just having organized team sports and you know play areas, but allowing children and adults to get out into nature and be able to experience it is wonderful. And obviously, this is just going to be great that we're finally going to be able to ensure that this area is not going to be developed. You heard Rebecca talk about the racetrack and possibility of casino and all this. We don't have to worry about that anymore in this 600 plus acre area, which is awesome. Absolutely awesome. I do have to say I've started down the rabbit hole of this invasive worm that she was talking about. And um, I, I'm going to warn you, there's going to be a future episode on this. Uh, just working out the details and trying to learn a little bit more. Uh, about these worms and how it impacts soil and and everything like that so uh, get ready to hear an episode about worms before you leave and turn this this episode off check down in those episode details uh, there's a link for engage pittsburgh that portal so that you can uh, express how you think this city park could be used among a whole bunch of other things as well and uh, until next week Get outside, take someone with you, and stay wild.